You're listening to the Imagine Capture Create podcast. What's up, everybody, and uh, welcome to the podcast, episode three, Imagine Capture Create. I'm Brian Suman. I got co-host Logan Powell with me. I've been talking about having a co-host on the channel, and I'm super excited. So, um, you know, we've had a pretty good week uh, so far. We've done a little bit of creativity. Um, Logan, what have you been up to? Anything Anything you're uh, doing to inspire your, your creative passion? Absolutely nothing. No, Absolutely nothing. <laughs> no, uh, more recently, you and I shot the where we are currently in the studio, right. espresso machine. Recently, um, if for just to kind of put that out there a little bit about myself and Brian, we are obsessed with coffee. We're actually right. drinking some right now, currently. Yeah, from True West. <laughs> yes, shout out to them. If you live in Hamilton, you have to check them out. Probably one of the best local coffee shops that I've been to. But um, recently decided to buy an espresso machine, and I figured why not kind of take my almost passion for coffee and combine it with photography right, right. and then collaborate with Brian. Um, it was it was a learning experience. I don't know how many of you out there have shot uh, kind of studio setting and using speed right. lights and strobes, mm-hmm. but Brian is essentially the master here yeah. at doing that. Yeah, I know in episode one um, I talked about, I think it might have been the last episode, my kind of drive or desire to shoot more product photography mm-hmm. and, and been doing a lot of that lately. So when you called up and said, you know, hey, I got a new espresso machine, let's do some shots, I was all for it. It's like, let's get together and, and see where it goes. And, yes. In uh, the gelled lighting, you know, both of us have an interest in trying to incorporate gelled lighting into our work. Right. And, um, so that was kind of a cool, cool session. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. And it's uh, always a new learning experience for me doing studio because for my style, I have always generally gravitated towards natural light stuff. Mm-hmm. Part of that is, you know, the lack of knowledge and kind of the expense of, you know, studio lights kind of getting into it. Um, It can be a little bit pricey. If you if you buy good quality lights, it can be pricey. So it's always a new learning experience doing that. And it was kind of fun to experiment a little bit with gels because uh, one thing that I've noticed and you kind of pointed out is like all product photography is normally just a white background. You know, you want to really focus on the product. They're not there to kind of, you don't want to draw someone's eye towards something else. It's like, this is our product, you know? So it was interesting to kind of try to mix some gels, work with some complementary colors, um, and take some shots of the espresso machine itself. And also the espresso shot for, I don't know how much everybody knows about coffee, but espresso is a way that you brew coffee Mm -hmm. and it's brewed into a shot into a one ounce glass typically. So we took some couple Pictures of that mixed in uh, blue and orange gel, complementary colors right there, and uh, it turned out pretty good, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, we had a great time, and I think um, I think what we ended up with was was super. And um, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things you had mentioned in just trying to go from no lights to lights is mm-hmm. a challenge. To you know, what's the right decision? How much money can you spend to kind of get you in the game? Right, um, but not um, spend too much because if all of a sudden that's not the path you really want to go down. So, um, you know, I know it was a big step for me to, to go and, mm-hmm. you know, I use Paul C. Buff gear and, um, you know, love it, but, um, you know, it's an investment and it's, uh, it's uh, a big decision. So, right. That, you know. That's the part I actually forgot is <laughs> also the part is like, I buy all these lights, invest all this money. It's like, oh, I actually don't care for this too much. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. not as passionate about this. And it's like, 
now I have $1,000 invested in lights that I have no use for anymore. Right. right. In the spirit of collaboration, it's great because then you can kind of come to the studio, mm-hmm. play around, and not invest and see if it is a path you want to go down. Right. So that's um, that's an opportunity that mm-hmm. a lot of us don't have. You know, you made a comment earlier today about cannon shooters and and the fact that if you know if everybody's shooting kind of the similar system, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be Canon, it'd be Sony or Nikon. You know, it's it's great when you can b- maybe borrow lenses and try things out right. before you make that big that big plunge. So. But, uh, yeah, so um, anything going on for next week? Anything future creative-wise that uh, you're kicking around? Mm, well, I have a – we have we both actually. I mean, for everybody, for the audience, we collaborate more and more <clears throat> as I'm clearing my throat here. Right. Um, Brian and I have collaborated a lot, I think, over the past year, more and more to the point to where almost half the time now when I am shooting photo or video, normally we are collaborating together. Right. So that is really cool. It's a lot of fun um, collaborating with people and be able to come together creatively, bounce ideas off of each other uh, and work. I know, I believe here coming up in September, we're going to be filming a wedding. So that'll be really fun. Um, I've never done that. I don't know. You haven't done that, have you, before? No, it's a a first opportunity to go uh, shoot a wedding for both of us uh, in in this capacity. And it's a destination wedding. So we're actually traveling quite a few hours. Right. Loading the gear up and uh, going out to uh, a beautiful place in Missouri, mm-hmm. so it's uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a learning experience, and we got a video coming up potentially here in the next week, you know, or two, mm-hmm. you know, to collaborate together, and uh, um, you know, kind of leads me into the backdrop story between you and I. Yeah. You know, um, you and I have probably known each other, kind of known each other about probably five years now, four or five years. Mm-hmm. And I'd say in the last couple of years, um, you and I met at uh, going to the same church. Yeah. And then, you know, we really didn't talk or cross a lot of paths except maybe on Sunday. And then you and I end up being on the platform and on the worship team. Mm-hmm. You know, I play guitar, you play bass. And uh, they kind of shoved us next to each other in, um, in, a, in a spot next to the drum kit. And you and I just kind of started talking a little we, more and more. We essentially got shoved in a corner. Yes, we did. On, yeah. on the platform. <laughs> So close, we share music together. Right? Yeah, oh yeah, I actually forgot about that. We literally had to share music. Yeah, it was one of those things that like it would be awkward if we didn't start talking to each other. We were so close. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then you bought a camera and mm-hmm. you came into church one day, and I, you know, I think that was another big turning point for you and I. Just um, we started talking about photography, and you know, since then it's just kind of you know, your and I's relationships kind of grown and mm-hmm. collaboration started. Essentially like a snowball effect of pushing the snowball down the hill. Yeah. Because I I remember it was like after practice one Thursday night, all of a sudden, you know, like you said, I just got finally bought a Nikon D3400 entry level DLSR. Super excited. Then realized I know nothing how to use this camera. So then all of a sudden I started talking to you because I was like, oh, yeah, Brian. Brian takes pictures all the time. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that's cool. So anyway, you know, our relationships is, is really, um, it's really interesting for the audience that doesn't know it. You know, I'm 51 years old and mm-hmm. I'm 42. No, I'm scared. You're 42. <laughs> I'm 20. 20. So, you know, it, it's a, it's an inter- interesting dynamic, but I mm-hmm. think it's a good dynamic because we both inspire each other in, in different ways. We right. both bring a, a viewpoint, uh, not only in life, but mm-hmm. in, in creativeness that, uh, that I think, um, you know, we found a way to really harness that and make it happen. So. Right. But, uh, so, you know, to kind of, you know, continue to talk about you a little bit more, um, 
And, it's my favorite uh, thing. That's favorite. your favorite thing. That's like, I, I'll just go ahead and shut my mic off and <laughs> let you finish up and uh, I'll go grab another cup of coffee. But no, you know, tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, not me, but the audience, you know, how did you get into photography slash video? That is, uh, I know we were talking about this, uh, last week. Um, this is a really, this is a hard question to answer because it's one of those things like there is so many different factors that kind of played into how I started. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the probably the easiest way to really start, I was like, so I do now currently photography and uh, videography or cinematography, what you prefer to call it, but, mm-hmm. and mainly gravitate more towards video now. But originally I started out with taking pictures on my phone, you know, kind of slowly getting into it. You know, the iPhones, they, they take pretty good pictures. So right. I started getting into that. Um, and every single summer I go on a mission trip to Guatemala and one of the years about Three, two years ago, I think, someone came and they had a Canon DLSR at the time. I had no clue what I was looking at, really. Right. I was just like, wow, that looks really cool and uh, expensive also. <laughs> um, and they were taking a bunch of pictures, and that kind of uh, sparked my interest a little bit. And then uh, someone I grew up with throughout my childhood at church, um, he's always been into video and uh, has always been creating YouTube videos practically since uh, I think YouTube started. Okay. Kind of been doing short films. Awesome. Um, so a kind of a combination of those sparked my interest, I think, in photography. And I'm sure there was a bunch of other things, but those two things very much stick out the most to me that inspired me to kind of right. start getting into it. And then it's very much just kind of progressively, I started taking more pictures. I started liking it more. I started, you know... Um, looking up online, you know, YouTube videos nowadays, sure. tips, yeah. tricks, uh, you know, about photography up all the way to the point to where I was like, okay, I am passionate about this enough and I do it enough that I think I can buy a DLSR. And then that probably took about four months because I realized how expensive it was. But then also when uh, I go to buy something a little bit more expensive, I usually do a lot of research on yeah, it, sure. and I didn't know a lot about cameras, so I was like, okay, looking at all these specs, I have no clue what all of this means, yeah, yeah. you know, so yeah. did a lot of research, saved up some money, and finally got my DLSR, and then ever since then, just been, been progressively getting better, learning more, all the way up to the point now, for everybody to know, I shoot Sony, Sony. Yes. <laughs> not that it matters, yeah. but I shoot Sony. It's amazing, and then Brian shoots Canon. Right, right. So, well, you made you you said something that you said you know you you look into the reviews or mm-hmm. and uh, you know that is that is one thing. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna have anybody look up what the best thing to get, mm-hmm. I'm coming to you because you <laughs> you you will dig deep into all the reviews, yes. all the specs. Not that I don't, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, that is one thing where, you know, when you make a purchase, you know right. what you're going to get, and uh, that's awesome. Um, yes. But, yeah, that's cool. Um, and so besides playing music, creatively, you know, is, is there something else as you were growing up that you you, you, you had that creative drive in you? Because you didn't play mm-hmm. bass probably when you were three years old. No. necessarily. I know I didn't play guitar at five, um, but right. uh, my father did put instruments in my hand at five or six years old. I had mm-hmm. a banjo, a mandolin, a dobro, a fiddle, wow. you know, five or six years old. And, you know, that really didn't take off for me until I was a teenager, the music side. But, you know, when I was real young, you know, I always would draw, I would paint, mm-hmm. you know, I was the type where if I wanted to build a drum kit, I was getting oatmeal 
cans and stuff and, and you know, st- sticks that were drumsticks and just there was always I was always creating, mm-hmm. you know, as a child. I think we all do. We all play. And right. But um, what's what's something besides music that was your your creative um, drive as, as a young child? I don't I don't know, really. I'm trying to think because uh, so I play bass now. That's kind of my main instrument, but I, I know how to play guitar mm-hmm. acoustic pretty well. Um, I've learned mandolin a little bit, but I haven't been practicing that a whole lot recently. Um, but I think maybe when I was about seven or eight, I, I originally started learning guitar first, got like a little baby acoustic guitar or whatever, started taking lessons. Um, that didn't last too long. Um, I stopped taking lessons, uh, end up being in Colorado for about a year. So knew no one out there. So I wasn't taking any lessons, but I got a Fender electric just kind of started looking up videos online, learn it myself. Um, and then at the time my sister was learning drums. So we would, you know, cool. we'd play with Very each cool. other and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, then for whatever reason, I think I kind of just like stopped. It wasn't like abruptly, but I, over time kind of started not practicing as much. A couple years went by, was really into, uh, playing soccer and then running track, doing hurdles and kind of really got into sports um, and then kind of slowly made my way back when all of a sudden I found out at church, they were creating this thing called Young Guns. And they, yeah. It was essentially uh, all the younger musicians at the church or anybody who was interested in learning an instrument there to replace the people in the worship band okay. now. Since some of them were getting older, people were planning on moving away, you know, they were essentially getting close to losing the band. Right. So we're there to kind of like learn and play together because it's it's very different playing by yourself and then having to work with other people. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole different world as right. a musician that I feel like not a lot of people really understand until they actually play with a band. They're like, wow, like, yeah. Yeah. whoa, this is a different thing. It's a different world. Yeah. 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 So then I that's when I started playing bass, probably 15, maybe 14 years old, I think. Started playing bass and uh, slowly got into that to where – that's like my favorite instrument to play. Cool. I don't know what it is, but I just I love bass in a song. I have like having a lot of bass, that kind of ump, that kick. Yep. The bass and the drums very much drive the song and the sure. rhythm. So I like right. that. Cool. But cool. Yeah, I didn't yeah. really quite answer your question no, because I good. honestly don't know what else. Cause uh like my dad's an engineer and I've always kind of had that engineer mindset. I've always like been building, working on stuff, always right. Right. You know, creative. And I believe that's creative, right? Right. That's that is that mind. You have to mm. have an idea and be able to go from nothing right. to something. So, well, now actually, th- randomly for me, I kind of have squirrel moments just for the audience. Right. <laughs> Things randomly pop hashtag in my mind. Squirrel. Yes, hashtag squirrel. Thoughts randomly pop in my mind, or I'll be like halfway through a sentence, yeah. and all of a sudden, boom, completely go to something not related at all. But creatively. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of people growing up, guys, play with Legos, you know, Lincoln Logs, you're building, stuff like that. Then as you kind of get older, you almost outgrow that. It's almost like, oh, that's childish now. You right. kind of lose, I feel like a lot of people kind of lose the creativity because a lot of people don't look at it as like something worth pursuing. You know, it's not right. professional. You're not an adult if you yes, do right. creative stuff. Right. Even nowadays still, even yeah. in the world that we live in, people still have that sure. mindset still, I feel like. But I played a lot with Legos, but I would be the person that I would uh, build the whole set, 
for whatever it was. I had like an Indiana Jones set uh-huh. at one point, Star Wars, whatever oh, it was. I'd build the whole set. I would have it for like a day and then I would just destroy it and then just build whatever was in my mind, essentially. Yeah. Awesome. I would combine sets, you know, sort of, I, I always, I guess, not real, I'm realizing it more now, but I always have kind of created stuff like I would build that thing, but then I was like, oh, that's not fun. Right. I'm building what it told me to build. Like I want to build what I want, yes. you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I kind of get the, the you know, kind of not doing something because it doesn't feel or you'll feel like outwardly people's going to view it mm-hmm. as not as not as mature. You know, right. just like me and I'm getting a a little bit of a um, a bug or a drive to um, shoot miniature cars, which I have yes. a couple times. You know, and that's another thing as a photographer. Mm-hmm. You know, I see a lot of cool shots and people. There's a lot of people that do a lot of cool miniature photography. Yeah. But to me, it's the, well, if I share that, you know, what's people going to, you know, how's people going to view that? Right. Um, but then, you know, that kind of goes back to the childhood. I love playing with cars and stuff like that. And if I can mm-hmm. combine photography and, you know, something together like that, I think it's pretty cool. Um, you know, speaking of photography for you, one thing I like about uh, when you post pictures, mm-hmm. you know, you've talked about this between you and I, where, you know, you take time to try to either from your own words mm-hmm. put a meaningful caption behind it or yeah. you'll also you know um, look up a quote right you know and um, you know that's pretty cool um, that you do that mm-hmm. you know um, so each each picture not only sh- tells a story itself but you try to also tie in and you know and I'm trying to do that even more and more um, right. with my posts um, instead of just a bunch of hashtags and mm-hmm. you know just a title um, I feel like it really kind of you know, a photo and video can speak for itself, but, uh, you know, sometimes words can literally tell you, you know, you can kind of direct the audience a little bit towards what that photo meant to you, yes. you know, cause everybody can look at that photo and get something completely different, but sometimes you want people to get a certain thing out of a picture. Right. So sometimes I feel like not all the times, but sometimes the words kind of bring that all together. It's yep. kind of like, it's like little icing on top, you know? Yeah. Yeah. makes it complete. So. Sure, sure. Well, so something you and I talked about we're going to start doing is the quote of the week. Yes. And um, so I think you have a quote. Indeed I do. I uh, recently stumbled upon this earlier today. I honestly probably spend like a lot of time just randomly looking at quotes and stuff. I don't know what really got me into it, but um, the quote for this week, and like you said, we're going to start doing this every week, whether you or me, right. um, or both really, we could do both. Sure. Plenty of quotes yeah, for everybody. Plenty of quotes. Um, the quote that I have is the best camera is the one that's with you or, um, as my boss said earlier today in your hand. Um, also I normally, if I, for the quotes, if I know the person's name that wrote the quote, I will say it, but for this case, it said unknown. Yeah. So I'm not entirely sure, but I will credit just to put that out there. I don't like when I do use the quotes for my Instagram post, uh, I do try to credit whoever it is. If I'm able to figure that out, I don't want to ever rip anybody off and be like, these are my own words. I'm so amazing. But yeah, kind of, uh, I'll talk about the quote, but also to talk a little bit why I kind of do the quotes. And sometimes I do put things into my own words, but uh, a little bit about myself is I am dyslexic, so a lot of times I do have a hard time getting my thoughts and words in my head down onto paper or onto my phone or whatever. Uh, that's always been a difficulty for me, so 
often it is easier to kind of look out for other people's words and Mm -hmm. it helps me a lot as well. But that's always been kind of a struggle, but I do try as much as I can to push myself to, you know, put things into my own words, but sometimes it's a struggle. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So that is a little bit why I do, I think I may have started using quotes is that's always kind of, even today, still a little bit of a struggle. Well, even your own words are are good. So you, um, you know, from a, from a viewer, Mm-hmm. You know, we obviously don't see a lot of our own personal challenges, you know, right. but, um, the behind the scenes, behind the scenes, right. Um, what's, Smith, yeah. what's really behind the scenes? How do you really, how are you really ticking? Right. Um, so the quote, the best camera is either in your hand or you're on that. you or with you. Um, you know, you and I talked a little bit earlier today and in, in our progression as a creative person or photographer, mm-hmm. you know, we have that bug to take pictures and we don't care yes. what we're using, you know, right. and usually it starts out with a phone, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe it started out with the, the older style video cameras for the, those that eventually get into cinematography, mm-hmm. you know, um, or focus all on video. And then we start taking pictures and then we save a little money and we buy a entry level DSLR. Right. And then as we start down that path, we pick up our phone lefts. You know, even when we see the shot, well, we turn around or we don't carry our DSLR with us, so we don't take the shot. And um, and you and I talked how that's kind of an ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to, you know, I, I kind of look at it as if if you have the notion or see the shot, mm-hmm. take the shot with whatever you got, because right. ultimately if the image doesn't tell the story, mm-hmm. um, again, it, it needs to be in, fo- like we've talked, it needs to be in focus. And there's certain things where the viewer is either going to engage with it instantly or not. Yes. But if, you know, really, if all that's put aside, the, the image should tell the story and you should be able to capture what you see. Right. No matter what you take it with. Yeah. That's one of those things that like, I've been thinking about a lot, lot, more recently is at the end of the day, my job, I th- not that it's a job, but my passion taking pictures and video at the end of the day, it should tell a story. It should compel someone to feel something or think in some way, yes. you know, and if, if I don't do that, like you said, you're not doing your job, you right. know, right. you, not that, you know, you failed terribly, but you failed that one time, you know, at mm. that photo or video that you took, because it's very easy especially for myself, you know, with looking up even the specs of the cameras to get caught up in the technical aspect of, oh, my camera can shoot 4K, you know, up to 60 frames a second. Uh, You know, I got S-Log2 for my color profile. You know, it's very easy to get caught up into those technical aspects or even the megapixels for pictures. Oh, I got to have you know, a 50 megapixel camera sure. to take good pictures. Yeah. It's like... So you don't pick up your phone and take the video of something you're seeing right then. Right. Because you don't have the... You don't have the, the, you know, the, you don't have that Sony packing with yes. you, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, that's happened for me a lot. And I've tried to kind of break that habit of very much. There's been so, I mean, it's, I can't even count how many times I've seen a picture and or video uh, and I don't have my camera with me. It's either at home or whatever the circumstance may be. So that I just don't take it. Right. Now it's gone. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a it's very difficult to do, and like I was saying earlier when we were talking about this, is very much at the beginning I was taking a picture whenever I felt it, you know, I was taking a picture with my phone, doing it all the time. Then you know I 
started to learn more about cameras and DLSRs, mirrorless cameras, started getting more into the technical side of things and, sure. you know, you know, what lens to buy, why does this aperture matter, ISO, exposure, like everything. The then, specs. The yes, specs. the specs. The specs, you know. So then I feel like I almost, for a while, and still every once in a while, like you said, it's kind of up and down, lose that part of being a storyteller. I feel like I'm, for a short period of time, I'm no longer a storyteller. I'm just taking a picture, mm-hmm. essentially. It's yeah, everything has to be right. Right. It has to be the right setting. Yes. The lighting's got to be the right, you mm-hmm. know, they got to have the, you got to have your camera, your main camera with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just, I think we miss, we begin to miss so much. Yes. And I think as a creator, if we always go back to when we started creating, think about it. We were the small child in a bedroom by ourselves, and we mm-hmm. did, there was no outside influence. Right. We just had a drive to create. Sometimes when I get frustrated or uninspired, because I'm letting so many things influence me to not do, right. I always have to put myself or ask myself, why did you start? And mm-hmm. if you answer that honestly, most of the time you didn't start it for anybody else but yourself. No. Yes. And, you know, sometimes I have to kind of remind myself, and that helps me kind of turn that corner. Um, there's a couple of photographers that I follow on Instagram. You know, that's a whole other subject is whether you you post your professional camera pictures on your Instagram account or iPhone or a mixture. But, um, you know, Sean Tucker is one who I follow. He, he does a combination. If he's out and sees a shot with his iPhone, he takes it and he Mm -hmm. posts it on Instagram. Um, Tim Wallace, I like, you know, he, he has a variety. You can tell that he's kind of documenting his life and he's capturing what he sees at the moment. And you know, he does not shoot with what he takes on his commercial photography. Mm-hmm. gigs and uh, Frank Dorhoff is another one that I follow and he does the same thing if he has a trip to New York City for a workshop you know he's also on the street just you know doing some street photography and you know just taking whatever he sees that compels him in mm-hmm. in sharing it you know he's kind of sharing his story and his travels and uh, you can kind of tell it's it's not always there, there's a point there's clients yes there's maybe your website with a gallery where you would do want to show you know, your best work. Mm-hmm. But then we need a, we need a sandbox that we can play in that just right. says, we're just having fun creating. And if it's not perfect, it's okay. You know, um, that's really, how, it's a balance. It's yeah. a balance. Absolutely. Yeah. I know we've talked about a lot in general, <clears throat> even not with photography, but in life in general, everything really is truly like a balance. I mean, right. It's, I mean, you know, I always kind of, it's easy to talk about food, but like, in moderation, you know, balance. Obviously, you know, if I drink seven cups of coffee a day and then don't drink any water, that's not good at all for my health. But, you know, having a cup of coffee and then making sure I stay hydrated, you know, that's good. Yeah. But that is one thing that uh, this year I've learned a lot, you know, as learning more about photography, learning things from you. But then also, like you said before, you know, our age difference, I learned a lot from you and your wisdom in life, um, you know, and life really is a balance. Yes. that I've learned as become an adult. But they even also kind of touch back with the creative thing is it's very interesting to me how I feel like in life, what from what I've noticed and gathered is when you're a kid, you don't care what anybody thinks. And when you're old, and I say close to dying. Like my but, age. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but when you are older, you know, you also don't care about anything. It's interesting that majority of our lives in that middle time, yeah. we care about 
everything and what everybody else thinks or what the world wants us to do and not what we, you know, what, what matters to us. Like we always get so caught up in what matters to everybody else, yep. you know. And I mean, that chunk is majority of our life, just a small portion of probably so many people have lived their life at the beginning and end where they just really, truly don't care about what anybody else thinks, Mm -hmm. which I am very much trying to get to that point. Like, you know, it's like I've realized this, you know, how many people actually realize this at like 20, Sure. you know, so I'm trying to, it's a mindset. It's really difficult. I mean, it's hard, but I'm trying to shift my mindset to not trying to care as much about what everybody else thinks. And I find myself when I do that, I very much, I create more, but then also at the same time, I feel like I create better stuff. I tell Mm -hmm. a better story because now I'm not comparing my story to other people's story. You know, at the end of the day, my story is not the same story as someone else's. Absolutely. So we're all unique and we all have a story. Right. And um, that's awesome. I mean, you know, that you, that you kind of realize that early and if you can kind of harness that and keep that and carry that with you, um, I think you'll, you'll ultimately become an, you know, a better and better creator mm-hmm. of content. So, um, and that's, that's a good, that's good stuff. We could, we could probably talk on and on and have that's another podcast topic. just on, um, <laughs> you know, just on influence, that outside influence. And it may be something we, you know, we kind of touch on again in the future in a, in a future episode yes. is, you know, how people battle, um, you know, allowing that inner voice, which I've talked about previously, and outside opinions too, that actually can stop us from creating altogether. So, so anyway, um, the main topic of this week, um, as we kind of shift gears a little bit, um, wanted to kind of talk about Lightroom mm-hmm. um, as an editing as editing software, and I think a lot of photographers um, use Lightroom, and uh, I know you and I do, and most people that I have discussion with use Lightroom. I think it's a powerful cataloging software, mm-hmm. and I'm actually doing more and more edits in Lightroom. It's kind of that ebb and flow, right? That up and down. Yes. <laughs> you know, I started out in photography and Lightroom was my tool for editing. I was scared to death of Photoshop. I went in Photoshop, I don't know how many times for the first six months, got frustrated, shut it down, said I was never going to use Photoshop. And then I started getting into composites and I really made a decision to force myself to learn it. Mm-hmm. And then that was my sandbox, as I say. Yes. And all I used Lightroom for was cataloging and uh, organization of my raw files. Which is funny because I don't use it for cataloging at all. Right, right. <laughs> you know, um, so then I would just, you know, go into Photoshop, do all my edits, come back into Lightroom, do my exporting, et cetera. And, um, you know, now I've kind of flipped it around. You know, one, I've um, kind of gotten away from composite and mm-hmm. the, some of the need for Photoshop. I think I've kind of progressed as a photographer where things are getting better in camera. Yeah. You know, Photoshop's great if you need to do some repair work, um, mm-hmm. some touch-ups. Um, and Lightroom is, uh, is is still really good um, for a lot of uh, styles of photography for for editing. But you know, there was three things I wanted to cover in this discussion that I think, and you know, we're not going to cover them very much. You know, not in depth, mm-hmm. but uh, three things I think they're that are biggies that are good tips for Lightroom Lightroom users. You know, and if anybody's listening, uh, wants to send us a message via the Facebook group mm-hmm. or Instagram or even through Anchor, you can message us. If there's anything after this that uh, you want clarification on or, you know, have a question, um, please send it our way. Right. And we'll answer it to the best of our ability. But one of the things is metadata. Mm-hmm. And you and I talked the other day because 
um, I'd ask you to send a photo to me for your spotlight mm-hmm. article on the Facebook group. And you sent it to me, and then I've seen this happen with other people. And this is not a negative because I did the same thing as well. But mm-hmm. we, we all hear about SEO, search engine optimization, you know, um, how you're identified in Google and the Google crawlers. And they go out and they look at websites. They look at metadata. Mm-hmm. And they kind of take that information. And if you have a website, you know, you get, you know, you get a better ranking if for, for many other factors. But it's also if you put a image out there in the internet world and it's just the image number image yeah. 1082 it, it doesn't tie back to logan powell it doesn't have a title in it that could be also used to if someone searched for mm-hmm. a certain topic like espresso yes. you know um and again knowing that there's just millions of espresso shots out there so um what i want to touch on is is when you um bring your photos into lightroom you have the ability to rename them, but you also have the ability to apply an import preset mm-hmm. to actually um, create that file name for you um, by default. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I do when I export, I rename my photos. So if you go up to the uh, file menu library and down to rename photos, mm-hmm. you can actually customize that to actually rename it and then number the image. So when I export images, I have the name that I call it, whether it be Espresso Shot, you know, dash, and then I have the image number, and then dash Brian Suman Photography. And Brian Suman Photography is actually comes from the copyright information that you put in your Lightroom preferences. So um, that is just one thing I see a lot of people. Um, one is, you know, you probably really don't want to share anything with no metadata that says even your name that you took the photo. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing that, uh, I think is important, you know, and I think I'll follow up with maybe either a vlog or a blog post where, you know, I can get more detailed, a screen right. share where I can kind of explain that a little bit more, but it's one of those things, the kind of importance of this is one organization on your computer, yes. but then also probably, I think one of the worst things that I can think of is you created a really compelling story with this picture and then someone stole it. Yes. And right. there's no way that you can prove that it really was yours because your metadata is DSC 110 for the picture. Right. You yeah. know, yeah. okay, how many of those are out there? Yeah. There's I see you shot it at a five, you know, F5.6 and, you know, right. 200 millimeter, but, um, but who took the shot? Right. There's you know. no way to prove it, which sucks. But, you know, that's, I mean, I think that's a really beneficial part of using the metadata and have, and like you've mentioned before, is also uh, searching on Google. Right. That'll better help fine tune the search, you know, type espresso. Maybe your picture will actually pop up in the espresso on the first page because you actually put that in your metadata. Right. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the second point is um, import presets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of mentioned it. You can do that. You can actually name your file on import. But I also um, have a very basic import preset. And a lot of times it takes experience. You, I use real estate photography, for example, Um most of the time, even though the house changes, mm-hmm. the style of photography, how you light it, the lens you use, all those become kind of consistent. So when you bring those in, there's probably, if you do enough of one type of shooting or mm-hmm. style, you pretty much get down to where you're always moving contrast to a certain, you're always using so much clarity. Yeah. Um, I always just only sharpen to a 10 or a 20, 
you know, so once you have enough experience, you've done it enough, you can actually apply some of those settings on import. So, um, that's another useful tip. Which this is new to me also, as of yeah. when you told me this before the podcast, sure. I was yeah. like, what? You can, you can really do that? Yeah. I mean, it's a useful tip really. Cause I mean, I've edited so many pictures in Lightroom. How much time could I have saved? Yes. Because I generally darken my shadows almost always. I have a more moody look. I'm always increasing the clarity, sharpness, you know, right. stuff right. like that, that could say, you know, may not be a lot of time, but. I mean, if you're doing stuff for a client, you got like a hundred pictures you got to edit. That's gonna be re- that's gonna be really when it's important and it comes in handy. Is yes. situations like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I do real estate photos, it really does. Mm-hmm. It does save a lot of time because I'll bring in you know a hundred photos and you know they're at a certain they're already at a certain editing point for me right yes. out of the gate. So um, you know that's that's a biggie. I you know I'm gonna combine the last point because um, it kind of does work together sort of, but cataloging. Um, when you first start with Lightroom, that is a quote-unquote catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can cre- create multiple catalogs. So, for example, for me, my client catalog is always by year. So I have a 2015, a 2016, 17, 18. Those are individual catalogs that you can open mm-hmm. as you wish. So where, where I'm getting at is if, and also my family or event photography is in its own separate catalog. So in the end, if you've taken photos for three years and you have thousands and thousands of raw files and you're in the same catalog, oh, yeah. you've got things mixed. You've got client photos, you've got vacation photos, you've mm-hmm. got espresso shots that you're just playing around doing different test things. So um, I have multiple catalogs and that helps take those thousands and thousands of raw images mm-hmm. and filter it down to just what I want to look at. And then within that catalog, I use subfolders, you know, so that catalog could be called 2018 clients. And then I have subfolders by the client's last name. So then I, and you can actually set that on import. You can create the new subfolder or you can add to a subfolder. Um, I think that's good. It's just like working in Windows or on a Mac. You know, Mm -hmm. it's the, you know, the Windows Explorer kind of function where if you think of the catalog as a folder. Right. And your subfolders. You know, it helps to organize. Um, and it saves a lot of time because I very much, even though I haven't had my MacBook Pro for, I don't know, just a couple months. Right. Already, I haven't done any of the catalog, haven't done any folders, subfolders, nothing like that. So it very much, like you said, has a mix of espresso shots, pictures from when I was in Guatemala, you know, random pictures from the shop, you know, just actual client stuff. Like, just it's just a random bag of mixed stuff. Sure. And so... Generally, right now, when I go to find something, I have to remember the date because that's, uh, I think, by default, Lightroom, if you don't do anything, it just dates stuff when you import yes, it. Right. So it's uh, it takes me a few minutes sometimes before I can really actually dive into an edit. It takes maybe 10 or 15 minutes before I'd be like, okay, here's all my pictures, <laughs> you know, the ones I wanted to actually get to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And then the other thing, I'd maybe maybe it's four points, but uh, we'll call it three uh, just for the record. But I use smart collections as well because Lightroom gives the ability to rate photos either by the star rating. Mm-hmm. You can actually um, color code your photos. And um, you can also um, use the X and P on the keyboard and that either marks it as a photo for X is you want to delete it and P right. is you pick it is what they call it. So. Okay. Um, smart collections 
you can create in your left-hand uh, navigation window to where if you wanted to put all green photos, for example, mm -hmm. and maybe those are the photos you bring in a client session, you do all your edits, and you want to color code all the green ones as your final ones that go to print. Mm -hmm. You can create a smart collection in the rule, set the rule, all green photos, and every time you just click it green, it automatically will filter that into a smart collection for you. Um, and I do that a lot when I'm going to go ahead and print. Mm -hmm. um, so smart collections are, you know, you can Google and any of this, you can kind of go out there and, and dig a little deeper on how it works. But, you know, in the end, everything you can do to help organize, because yes. we take a lot of photos, you know, we don't delete all the photos either. You know, so, I don't delete any photos, actually. Right. I almost am. It's kind of become a thing where it's almost like hoarding my pictures, essentially. <laughs> I have become to the like come to the point to where I am scared to delete the pictures because yeah. I'm always like that. What if? What if? What right. if I come back to that? What if I use it? So I know it's gonna bite me in the butt eventually, probably like a year from now when I realize I have like four terabytes of pictures that like I've never used or whatever. Right. That's yeah. what it's really gonna start to become a problem is you know your storage and stuff. Yeah. But it um one thing I I know that uh you talked about before is. You print a lot. I've never printed any of my pictures yet. It's something that I would like to do eventually, but you do a lot of printing, banners, right. stuff like that. I don't know how much you've talked about that on the previous podcast, but that is also very beneficial for you. You're like, okay, this client asked, hey, you know, it's like a month later. Hey, I want to know if I could get like a, a print of that or like, you know, a picture of, sure. you know, one of the photos that you took for them. Now it's like, oh, I need to go find this. So right. it's very easy for you just to go pull up that catalog, go grab the subfolder. Maybe you even named it that person's name. Yes. And then now you have all the ones color-coded or whatever green that yeah. you actually printed already. Yeah, I just go in and filter green, and it just filters right. it down. And, you know, I can I can usually be somewhere in less than a minute, you know, when someone calls and mm -hmm. said they want to reprint or another copy. Um, so I didn't start out that way. So yes. I'm, not, I'm not saying I walk – I came out of the box – you know, doing all this, but, um, you know, I've had other people influence me and, mm -hmm. and a lot of times I just kind of get to where I hit the wall, you know, I hit my head against the wall and it's yeah. like, there's gotta be, you know, this software has gotta be, I know it's more powerful than what I'm using it for, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, uh, it, it is, it's, um, Lightroom is a great cataloging tool yes. if you, you know, even if you just use a few features. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's very much where one thing that I am, 100% trying to work on getting better at is because we're like the complete opposite of that. You are very organized, 100% utilizing the catalog feature of Lightroom, and I almost didn't know it existed. Right, yes. <laughs> I mean, like, literally, you said catalog, and I was confused on what you're talking about in Lightroom. Like, is this a new update or something? <laughs> you know, because I import my photos, I edit them, I export it, put it in a folder at least somewhat organized. Sure. All the pictures from that shooter in a folder on my desktop exported. But besides that, that's probably about as organized as I get. I'm, I mean, I kind of, I've, as I've learned more about you organizing things, stuff like that, it's kind of gotten to the point to where it's like, well, why not make it easier for yourself? Yes, right. You know, why make it harder for yourself? And also, as you know, hopefully we all gain more clients and clientele and stuff like that as we progress in our trade, if we want to pursue it in that way, um, you know, it's kind of, it's very, that professional, I can't even speak that professionalism of, you know, cataloging, having everything organized because, you know, you don't want to tell a client, oh, I can't find your photo. Right. You know, or yeah. your video. It's like, I, yeah. I 
lost it on my hard drive or something because you didn't properly organize it and you know do sure. go to the extent of doing all this stuff. Yeah, so right. It'll right. really bite you in the butt eventually, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Well, it's good stuff. Um, I mean, we could again. Uh, I think I will try to follow up. You know, outside of here, mm-hmm. outside of the podcast, and um, maybe yes. um, try to help clarify in more detailed steps on some of the things that I talked about mm-hmm. and brought up. Um, you know, maybe we'll kind of wrap up this session for today. It's been some great conversation. Um, again, mm-hmm. I'm super excited. You know, you're a part of this podcast and co-host. Yes. I think it's uh, it's going to be a, a fun journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I ask everybody out there, um, you know, if you're uh, interested in joining a creative community and collaboration and just sharing resources and helping each other learn and grow, you know, we have a Facebook group, Imagine Capture Create. Uh, we're on Instagram. You know, we're here on Anchor. And um, you can follow, uh, you know, each of us individually on Instagram, Brian Suman, Logan Powell. Mm-hmm. And if there's any questions, uh, another thing I do kind of want to get back to in the podcast is, um, you know, viewer or listener questions. Yes. You know, uh, I think that's great to be able to, you know, just uh, bring a question in and discuss it, you know, right. on the or fly. Or even um, suggested topics if anybody yes. had anything to throw out there. I mean, I'm game for, you know, talking about whatever, any answering any questions. Absolutely. Yeah. I know you'll talk. Right? That is that is for sure. This is... <laughs> I this is the to clarify this is the first time I've actually ever done a podcast. Yeah. I mean, normally I'm a pretty nervous person in front of the camera, you know, that's why I stay behind the camera. Sure. But yeah. uh, you know, doing the podcast is a lot of fun and I talk a lot, so I'm like, this actually may work out pretty well. Absolutely. I think it's gonna be great. So all right. Well everybody, uh, go out there, bring your imagination to life, go create something and and take a step today that'll move you closer to your goal. And thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next time. Adios.